Bond. James Bond. Review from Dr. Otis Skyfall. Hello and welcome to the third Here's Johnny Reviews. This is going to be a big one folks. I'm going to review all the Bond movies from Dr. No through to The Man with the Golden Gun and yes even Never Say Never Again. Again this one will be totally unscripted and completely off the cuff. Well where do I start? Well I'm not going to on about the books because I have never actually read any of the books but I will give you a few bits and pieces of information I picked up from various DVDs of the DVD set I actually own such as these were written by of course Ian Fleming in the mid to late 50s and he worked in the RAF as one of the spy masters I believe these the rights of the books were owned or one of the books actually was owned by Harry Saltzman and Covey Broccoli who are the two famous producers and their company Eon Productions which allegedly stands for everything or nothing. Yeah, well a few interesting facts I'll do before I actually get into the, the actual movie the movies themselves was apparently Hitchcock was approached but said no or rather his people did. Hmm interesting can you imagine a Hitchcock bond? Hmm a few other things I think quite interesting. The actors picked to play Bond before Connery was cast were Kerry Grant, Roger Moore, David Niven and Noel Coward. Connery was picked because he starred in a film which I never actually heard of called Del Beto Grill and Delicious People. However, he was picked by the producers because of the way he quote moves like a cat for being such a big guy. Connery was a former bodybuilder or amateur bodybuilder and was a former milkman. The other thing I think quite interesting was that Connor was a quote diamond in the rough and it was down to Terrence Young to make Connery into a more suave agent as he is in doing Bond. Now on to the other parts of the Bond movies such as Q. Interesting enough Q was not only played by Desmond Llewellyn he was also played by a, a man called Peter Burton in Doctor No and John Cleese in Twine and Dad. Also the modern one he's played by Ben Wishaw. Another interesting fact that I found out was Connery isn't actually the first Bond. The first Bond is Bob Simmons. On to the movies themselves. 1962's Doctor No directed by Terence Young starring Sean Connery, Ursula Andress, Joseph Wiseman Jack Lord and Bernard Lee as M. Now, this is the one that has no gadgets. Um, unless, of course, you count the Wolves of PPK as a gadget. Um, the other thing I think got interesting about Dr. No was that Ursula Andress, her lines were dubbed by another actress called Monica Van Dezel because apparently Ursula Andress had got the accent they were looking for, so they replaced her accent. Which she didn't know about until the actual premiere of the movie. Hmm. The other thing I find interesting about Ursula Andress was she was cast as Hannah Ryder from a photograph, apparently, and she was offered a part straight off with no read through or nothing. Just there you go. There's Hannah Ryder for you. The other thing I'll mention about uh, Ursula Andress is Hannah Ryder is she's the quintessential Bond girl coming out of the sea of the white bikini and a knife strapped to her hip with the seashells as Sean Connery sings to her 
Interesting. A few other bits and pieces I found out about Dr. No. There's supposed to be a bit where Dr. No himself has tortured Honey Rider and has put her in a pool of crabs. But unfortunately, the crabs were semi frozen and were half dead by the time they arrived on set. So that was ditched for the hole. You will be drowned in nuclear water, radiated water, rather. Hmm. This is the start of many of the animal cruelty, such as in Dr. No, Connery actually killed the tarantula that was put on his body by the Spectre Assassin. Strongly, I believe his name was. Now on to From Russia with Love, uh, which is 1963, only a year later, due to the huge success of Dr. No, which made $20 million on a $1 million budget. So how could they not churn these, these bad boys out? As we're saying, From Russia with Love, 1963, from Terence Young again. Once again, starring Sean Connery, Daniela Bianchi, Lotta Lengera, Robert Shaw, and Bernard Lee as M. This one did have a theme song. I should mention that Dr. No didn't actually have a theme song, unless you count Three Blind Minds. But it was done, the Bond theme, which was done by John Barry, which was pretty much used as the theme. So, the Bond theme for this one is From Wish of Love by Matt Monroe. Now, From Wish of Love is most famously known for its gadgets, most notably the suitcase with the gas canister, the folding knife, or rather the, the throwing knife, the gold bullions, and of course the folding sniper rifle. Now, the other thing that I should mention about From Wish of Love was Q was actually called Boothroy and not Q. Interestingly enough, I don't know which when they started using Q. I think it was the, the next one. It was in Goldfinger that started using Q. And I should mention Red Grant, the first of many blonde assassins, played by Jawsy's Robert Shaw. The other thing I should mention was Rosa Klebb in the movie was supposed to be a lesbian, but they decided to cut that bit out because they thought it would be uh, a lesbian in 1963 would have been a bit too much so they cut it back however if you do notice it does actually hit on the Bond girl played by Daniela Bianchi Bianchi well, I should say by the way my pronunciations are going to be terrible for this, this these actors because some of them were quite hard to pronounce but anyway moving on. Um, what I was going to say about From Wish of Love about the fact that it was actually shot on the Orient Express the fight scene between Red Grant and Bond was actually shot on Orient Express and was one of the most vicious Bond fights ever because it's such a confined space. Apparently Connery and Shaw done most of the fight themselves. The electric machine which they're chasing in the movie was actually a real piece of equipment. Moving on to 1964's Goldfinger, directed by Guy Hamilton, a song by Shirley Bassey, which I cannot stand. I'm sorry Shelly Bass's voice to me is like nails on a chalkboard. Starring once again Sean Connery, Dirt Throw, Honor Bagman, Desmond Llewellyn, and Bernard Lee as M. Now, I should say that I actually saw this in the cinema uh, about, what, four or five years back? And I actually loved it. This was the first time I actually saw one of these these older Bonds in the cinema. Because most of these I've seen on TV, of course, uh, DVD and Blu-ray. But I have seen a few of the latter ones in the cinema, of course. <laughs> Because most of these I wasn't even thought of, you know, I wasn't born for. <laughs> anyway, on to Goldfinger, which is my personal favourite Bond. Uh, what can I mention about Goldfinger, apart from the 
gorgeous Aston Martin DB5 with the Q additions such as the machine gun headlights, the smoke screen, the oil slick, the bulletproof shield and of course the ejector seat. Now the other thing I should mention about Goldfinger is Honor Blackman's Pussy Galore. The start of the notorious double entendre names for the Bond girls, or in this case, villain. The other thing I'll mention about it is the opening jetpack scene, which apparently was the first time the jetpack was actually saw on screen, well, a movie screen, anyway. And, well, I'll mention briefly the plot about Goldfinger. Is Auric Goldfinger is obsessed with everything gold, and his great master plan is to gas the Fort Knox, well people around Fort Knox, and use a nuclear bomb to irradiate the gold billion in the fort itself. And it's down to Bond and his skills to stop this from happening. Now the one thing I will, I will mention about Goldfinger is that Pussy Glow is actually a lesbian in this. But once again, they've just changed it, so she's quickly seduced by Connery, and she turns to the good side. Although, arguably, I'm pretty sure she didn't actually know Goldfinger's plan because she looked kind of stunned when Goldfinger talks about the, the, the poison gas, the nerve gas. Hmm. Ah yes, the other thing I should mention is the infamous Gold Woman, which apparently almost killed the actress because she was covered head to toe in this gold paint and they almost forgot to leave the little square piece for the skin to breathe, which I'm not too sure if actually that's an urban legend or not, but you can actually breathe head to toe and skin. But I'm not going to try it myself, so I to that one. Now, moving on to 1965's Thunderball. Once again, directed by Terence Young, starring, of course, Sean Connery, Clyde Erger, Adolf Cecile, Bernard Lee, and Desmond Llewellyn as Q. Thunderball sung by Tom Jones. What I'll mention about this one is the lawsuit, which I'll mentioned further down the podcast with uh, Never Seen Ever Again. But anyway, uh, what can I say about this one? Ah yes, the plot, Spectre steals a nuclear bomb, holds world to ransom, trying to bond to stop him, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> the underwater stuff, which was filmed at Pinewood Studios, I believe, and one thing I will notice, I will see it, is actually, there was a shark actually killed for real on set, because one of the stuntmen was actually trapped in the behind the door in the shark cage and he had to kill the shark in order to get the guy out to distract other sharks which again is, is kind of terrible so moving on to you of twice my one of my personal favorite bond films 1967's you of twice uh once again directed by lewis gilbert starring sean connery donald pleasant desmond Llewellyn, bernard lee and charles gray theme song by nancy Sinatra, which arguably is one of the best one songs ever done oh now let me see spectre is up to no good yet again and tries to cause world war three by kidnapping both russian and u.s astronauts cosmonauts by using their giant space whale sort of thing <laughs> uh well of course hollowed out volcano which at the time was the world's biggest set. Ah yes, and my personal favourite gadget, Little Nelly, the gyrocopter Little Nelly, with actual firing smokescreen, um, flamethrower, air-to-air missiles. Although, one interesting thing about this one is this one was written by Roald Dahl, which I didn't actually notice until I actually bought the DVDs back in the late 90s. Now, the one thing I will mention about this is Little Nelly was actually sold for allegedly $854,000 
in the mid-90s, and I believe it's still in private ownership. Now onto the movie itself. This one introduces you to Ernst Stafford Wolfett, played by Donald Pleasance, the, the cat-stroking genius <laughs> that is Blofeld. Shows the face of Blofeld first time, however, for the first time, well, however, Anthony Dawson, who was Connery's stunt double, played before Pleasance did it. This one was actually slated because it was filmed in Japan and this was the one that caused Connor to leave the role because he was getting so much pressure from the fans in Japan. They actually gave up the role of Bond. Now, the other thing I'll mention about You Love Twice was the terrible disguise that Bond was given. The guy's six feet three and he was given a bad wig and some bad makeup and that makes him Japanese. Okay then. So, what else should I say about we all twice. Oh yes, Charles Gray pops up as an informant who is swiftly knifed in the back. A bit more on Charles Gray later. Now on to 1969's Omas, otherwise known as On Her Majesty's Secret Service, directed by Peter Hunt. This was one the other one that didn't have a theme song because oh, I don't know actually why, but this is in use Louis Armstrong's final song, We Have All the Time in the World. This one is starring George Lisenby, the one of Bond himself, Dana Rigg and Telly Savalas. After Connery left, as I said, in 68, I believe, they tried to get other actors, um, such as Roger Moore again, but he was busy doing TV, I believe. And they also tried to get Timothy Dawson, but he was deemed to be too young. So, they went with a complete unknown since they've done us with the previous movie, Dr. No, and they they found George Lisenby, the Australian George Lisenby, who had little to no acting skills at all, or acting ability at all, and was a former model for fried chocolate, I believe, which is where the producers saw him. Now, the other thing I can I'll talk about is this was one of the first Bonds where Bond actually quits MI5 or MI6 role. Um, this is not the first time and it will not be the last time. But what I will say about this movie is the infamous This Will Never Happen to the Other Fella, which was said by Lazenby numerous times on set and it was just so pissed off what they actually decided to add it into the script. Um, because Lazenby sort of refused to do any of the stunts um, and various other bits and pieces so and he would not stop moaning and bitching and moaning on set so there we are one thing I will, I will say about this movie was Dana Rigg who was fresh off of the Avengers um, actually helped a lot fighting tips uh, with Lesby actually made him more relaxed on set made him a more better actor then of course this brings me to Tracy Bond's untimely death and one of the first times on crying on screen. What else I say about this one? Yes, the plot where Bluefield thinks he can hypnotise all these women and get them to release various toxins into the, the soil and causing things to happen. Oh yes, I should also mention, this is the first time we learn of Bond's Family Crescent and Family Motto, which is The World Is Not Enough, but one at one later. Um, what else can I say? Oh, yes, this is a blink and you miss it. Um, 
shot of Joanna Lovely as the English girl, which was slightly before her role as Purdy in The Avengers, and also long before her famous role in Abfab. Uh, what else did I mention about this one? Yes, Telly Savalas um, replacing Donald Pleasance as Blofeld. Um, and of course the infamous bobsley scene, scene rather, where apparently one of the stunt double stunt men almost broke their neck on set and because the thing actually did tilt and go on its, on its top sort of thing. Um, the one thing I will notice about this is Lazenby's fight scenes were terribly sped up because he was awful at the choreographing, uh, the fight scenes actually. Lazenby broke a stuntman's nose, so they decided to do that. Oh yes, the other thing, Diana Rigg actually done her own stunt driving in this movie. And, well, so we're going to move on to Connery's successful return in Diamonds Are Forever, 1971's Diamonds Are Forever, directed by Guy Hamilton, and once again, song by Shirley Bassey. Now, after Lazenby left, um, they were in a panic to try and get another Bond actor. So they approached people such as Adam West, Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood. Also, apparently John Gavin from Psycho was signed up, but that deal fell through. Now, I'm not sure about myself, but moving on. Could you imagine Adam West as Bond? I'm not too sure if that would work. I mean, would you bring the same camp as you done with, with Batman? And Burt Reynolds as Bond? Uh, no, just noted that one. I'm not too sure if Clint Eastwood would have worked because roughly at that time he was doing his Dirty Harry stuff, so I'm not too sure if this was before or after he was offered Dirty Harry. But he had his own franchise with Dirty Harry, of course. So moving on back to Diamonds of a River. Starring Sean Connery, Charles Gray, Bruce Glover, Potter Smith, Desmond Llewellyn, and Jill St. John. And this is the infamous one where Connery was offered over $3 million to come back to play Bond for this one-off Bond. Yeah, which allegedly he gave most of it to charity, if not the entire cheque to charity. The plot, okay then, African diamonds are getting stolen. The gay assassins, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd. And this is why I didn't actually want to mention the plots, because some of the plot for the Bond movies are all would have shot. So I'll go through it. Well, I'll go through the entire movie, but I'll go through my favourite parts, such as Bond killing off Blofeld in the opening scene, or one of these many, many clones. The infamous Tiffany Case joke about do the collar and cuffs match, my dear. This thing was shot in Vegas. Uh, the infamous car scene, which was shot in Vegas, but it flips midway because apparently it was shot months apart and they couldn't really use the footage because of the crowds outside the casino in Vegas. The fake moon set is a joke about the supposed fake moon landings. And actually, the car that Connery drives is actually using the same tyres that the uh, moon rover actually used. On to Willard White 
the recluse who was actually supposed to be based off of Howard Hughes. This movie is just bug nuts crazy and I love it for it. <laughs> and now onto Bob White's security. Bambi and Thumper, played by two Olympic gymnasts, I believe. Ah yes, the infamous Plenty O'Toole joke. Yeah, well, I suppose this was the 70s. But anyway, moving on to Live and Let Die, 1973's Live and Let Die. Directed by Guy Hamilton, song by Paul McCartney and The Wings. Starring, finally, after trying to get him for years, Roger Moore, Yafal Corketo, Jane Seymour, Clifton James and Bernard Lee. This one's all about voodoo and... 70s black exportation was huge at the time, so this is why they added in the, the black exportation stuff. Uh, the tarot colours, yeah, with Bond tricks Solitaire into sleeping with them. Technically, that not great. Hmm, maybe one. Oh, yes, the infamous crocodile run where the stuntman almost lost his foot because the crocodile tried to chomp it off. <laughs> Teehee, the one handed assassin. Yes, interesting. Oh, and of course, Baron Smeed. The only way Bond henchmen not to be killed and the way Bond dispatches of the villain by blowing him up with a compressed air bullet. Interesting. On to 1974's The Man with the Golden Gun, directed by Guy Ham's song notoriously sung by Lulu, starring once again Roger Moore, Christopher Lee, Bert Ekman, Maud Adams, one of her three Bond appearances, Herb Vanchez, I think that's pronounced right, and Bernard Lee. Everybody knows that Christopher Lee was actually Ian Fleming's cousin, or second cousin, and of course the notorious Golden Bullet. The one thing I will mention about Mamma uh, Golden Gun is that Scaramanger was supposed to be bisexual and have a thing for Bond being the two greatest assassins in the world, but I don't think it's actually played um, that well in the movie, uh, the way Christopher Lee plays it. I don't think it's actually supposed to be bisexual. The one thing I will mention about Roger Moore, as I meant to mention earlier, but I forgot to do it, was I didn't actually like Roger Moore, even though he was allegedly supposed to be my Bond. I liked Connery better because he's a bit rough and ready. Even Lazenby was rough and ready, whereas Moore was more of a smug, arrogant ass, to be honest. I mean, I think towards the end of his reign, he let his bow tie and his, his eyebrow do most of the acting for him but if you believe the stories in 1973's Love and Let Die he'd done 73% of his own stunt and it gradually got less and less and less and less as the movie's well. the actor that put that in that was apparently a bit of a creep he used to try and sneak up on the ladies and look up their scripts and stuff and was also a complete pervert tried to get them drunk quite a lot oh yes Scaramanga was supposed to be gay uh, I had a crush on Bond Again, it was excised because a gay assassin, but it worked very well, even though the gay assassin was used in 1971, but hey ho, moving on. The flying car, which is actually a scale model. The infamous corkscrew jump, which was done for real, not by, by Moore. Sheriff Pepper and a ridiculous stereotype, which unfortunately was also added into Moonraker. Oh yes, I should also mention the Funhouse Mirrors, which never made actually much sense to me. And why did he have a life-size Bond cut out? Well, I suppose he did fancy himself. So. And he didn't notice the fact that the, the fingers weren't missing. Let's move on to the laser beam. That is the whole point of this movie, I, I kind of think. is the whole reusable energy sort of angle, even though this was the 70s. Well, I guess this was, this was the start of the whole renewable energy. Now on to The Spy Who Loved Me, 
1977, The Spy Who Loved Me, which was directed by Lewis Gilbert. The song, No, there is a better song by Carly Simon. Again, this is another Bond movie where the title of the movie isn't actually the title of the song. Starring, once again, Roger Moore, Barbara Bark, Kurt Jerkins, Richard Keel, and Bernard Lee. What can I say about this one? Okay then, the opener, the ski jump opener, where the stuntman almost lost his life because the skis actually ripped the parachute wide open. If you notice it, it just before they cut it, you can see there's a hole in the parachute. Well, apparently he almost plunged to his death. Yes, the safety on the bomb sets were not that great, to be honest. Oh yes, the Lotus Esprit submarine car, uh, which, I, as I said, or I should say rather, in the late 90s, I went to a Bond exhibition called Double Heaven where it had props for the various movies and it had like outfits and a couple of cars uh, most notably was the Lotus. I should also mention that at this exhibition they had the underwater breathing apparatus that Bond uses in Thunderball which apparently the US military thought was real and tried to copy it. <laughs> anyway, moving on back to The Spy Who Loved Me. Jaws, Richard Keel with the metal teeth, which apparently were actually real metal teeth and caused Richard Keel no ends of problems with these things in his, in his mouth. I actually met Richard Keel back in 2004, clicked many event up in Glasgow. Nice guy, huge guy, mind you, but, but nice guy. I should also mention Triple X, played by Barbara Bark. She was supposed to be the Russian Bond, the Russian counter-agent. The other thing I mentioned about Spy Love Me was apparently one of the stuntmen lost his legs due to some aerial photography. Stunt went completely wrong. Once again, the stuntmen on the, the Bond sets weren't really protected that well, to be honest. Reports of numerous mistakes happening, such as on Octopussy, a stuntman had his pills broken. There's various other things that... Um, even the actors themselves were injured, such as Pierce Brosnan's got a cut above his lip due to a misfiring gun. Um, Daniel Craig has severe knee damage and lost one of his fingernails on one of his hands uh, on a set of Quantum Solace. So, yeah, safety was not a must on these, these movies, I guess. Back to The Spy Who Loved Me. Yes, allegedly this is the first time you see a jet ski on screen. This is also using the biggest sets in the world with the summoning pen, Strongbolt summoning pen. Yes, the Bond villain with the webbed fingers. So therefore he's an, under, or an underwater nut job in essence. That's what I'm going to use, nut job. Moving on to Moonraker, 1979's Moonraker. Once again, directed by Lewis Gilbert and sung by Shelley Bassey yet again. Ugh, moving on. Starring Roger Moore, Luis Charles, Michael Lonsdale, Richard Keel again, Bernard Lee and Desmond Llewellyn. What can I say about this one? Bond in space. Jump the shark moment much? No pun intended with Jaws being in it. Oh my god. Due to this huge success of Star Wars, they decided to make this thing go completely lavish and go completely doolally. Some of the jokes in this thing including Jaws flapping his arms as he falls out this the, the, the plane after tossing Bond out. What else can I mention this? Oh yes, the, the wristwatch gun. Yes, moving on. I should mention that this is the part where this is the first time what a parachute, a hidden parachute was actually used and actually was developed on set for the scenes where the where Bond gets thrown out the plane, as I mentioned earlier. They had to actually come up with a, a hidden parachute. So this is actually one of the first time it was actually used. I should also mention 
Holly Goodhead, another one of the great Bond girl names. What else can I mention about this one? The Chinese assassin and smashing up the classroom. That's the word I'm looking for, the classroom. Now, on to the first Bond movie that I actually saw as a kid, For Your Eyes Only. 1981's For Your Eyes Only. Song by Sheena Easton, directed by John Glenn. Starring Roger Moore, Carol Bouquet, Tupal and Julian Glover. Now, what can I say about this one, apart from two words, Disco Bond. Even though this is supposed to be a more serious Bond, the whole thing was discoed up to its hilt. What I should mention is, as again, the this is one of the first movie, the Bond was actually saw when I was a kid. I think I was about five, five or six when I saw this on TV at my uncle's. Anyway, as the opener, Bond goes back to Tracy's grave, uh, which I think is the first thing that's ever mentioned since 1969's on Manchester Secret Service. Uh, Angus attacked by quote-unquote Blofeld, who's quickly thrown down a smokestack and never mentioned again until Spectre. Now, I should also mention that Sheena Easton is actually in the music video with Roger Moore. This is the first time this has actually happened. Oh yes, I should also mention Morris Binder, or Binder, the production designer for the titles for all of the Bond movies. In fact, he caught the whole idea of the tracking shot of Bond coming across the screen and shooting at the screen, the, the opener of the, the Bond movies. He done all these up until his death in the 90s, I believe. Again, this is one of the ones where it's the, sink, the sunken British ship and the MacGuffin for the movie is on the ship and Bond must investigate to get it back. Now, the one thing I will say about this one is General Goggle, I believe, or General Pushkin. I can't remember which one it was, but the guy that was in most of the Connery Bonds, I believe, or some of the Moore ones, where he's playing their Russian KGB head. Oh yes, and I should also mention Melina, the Bond girl who's supposed to be Greek, wants revenge for her mother and father's death, so she says she's a crossbow, the female hunter, with the extremely long hair, which is a bit ridiculous, to be honest, but, you know. One thing I will notice, uh, I will mention, was that Julian Glover was supposed to be Bond, however, he was used to be the Bond villain instead. Also, Pierce Brosnan's then wife, who sadly died, was the henchwoman, and Pierce was on set, so the visuals put them in mind. Or Bond later down the road. And one thing I will also mention about this is Roger Moore is afraid of heights, yet they got him to do a couple of climbing scenes and such. Uh, yes. Um, what else do we have? Uh, da, 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 the attack ship getting sunk, the Russians going off. Oh, yes. The Olympic skier, which I don't have the actress name on the top of my head. But the, uh, the Bond babe, as we call it, was called BB, who was less than half uh, Roger Moore's age at the time, which was well too creepy. Moving on. Um, and there's a blink and you miss it scene with Charles Dance, I believe. He plays one of the assassins. Now, on to 1983's Octopussy. Or Octopussy. <laughs> um, once again, directed by John Glenn. Song All Time High, done by Richard Coolidge. Once again, starring Roger Moore, Maud Adams, and her second Bond, Louis Jordan, Desmond Llewellyn, and Robert Brown as M. Now, what can I mention about this one, apart from the Fowergy eggs, the crocodile submarine suit, Indian assassin, with the killer yo-yo, <laughs> and, of course, Q helping out with the hot air rescue. Now, the one thing I will not say is this is the one where the stuntman actually got his 
pelvis smashed as it was rammed into a concrete block which wasn't supposed to be on the track. I suppose accidents do happen on set. And there we have it. Oh yes, the female circus I believe um, ran by Octopussy, Maud Abrams Octopussy. Maybe there's an interesting little slant on that. There's apparently Octopus Sophie, yet another lesbian character ch turned to the straight side by Bond's magic penis. You know, I mean, come on. Moving on to the moment where Moore threw his hat one final time and threw off the, the bow tie with A View to a Kills, 1985's A View to a Kill, written by John Glenn, song by Duran Duran. Now, this is the one I know most of because in 1985 I was what uh six seven and Duran Duran's Beautiful Kill was constantly on TV and you never got away from this bloody thing. So on to the cast once again his final bond is Roger Moore, Christopher Rocket, Grace Jones, Patrick McGee, Desmond Llewelland. This is the last Moore Bond movie thankfully as I've said. I hated Roger Moore's Bond. Eiffel Tower jump was actually sanctioned by the French government so they got into trouble with that one. Christopher Walken, like I said with Christopher Walken, the guy almost gives the same bug nuts acting and I loved him in this movie, he was so insane as the, what was he, a Nazi science experiment um, gone awry. Um, let me see, Grace Jones, ah yes, Grace Jones is Mayday having a sex scene with Roger Miller's Bond and her taking control for once. Welcome to the 80s, Mr. Bond. Uh, what else can I say about this? Oh, yes, this is the one where I like to play the game of take a shot every time you see Roger Moore's stunt double because I'm pretty sure Roger Moore sat most of the stuff out as the stunt double's done most of the stunts. And I'm guessing you'd be absolutely hammered by about a third way through the, through the movie. Interesting thing is Patrick McGee was known for was known for John Steed in the TV show Avengers. Uh, now, I believe Roger Moore and Patrick McGee were actually roughly the same age um, when this was, was filmed, which was Frank Lillard Dix. Oh, yes, this is also the film where it's a blink and you miss it uh, cameo by Dolph Lundgren. Anyway, back to the movie itself. What can I say about this thing? Oh, yes, the microchip thing about flooding um, Silicon Valley and making. Zorin's company, millions of dollars. Yes. Oh, the other thing I should mention about this is when Bond ties up Zorin's airship on the Golden Gate Bridge, that was actually, well, obviously some of it was a model, but some of the stuff was actually filmed on the Golden Gate Bridge and they were told, do not move a muscle, which is why they were also struggling on top of the Golden Gate Bridge because they couldn't throw a punch. Moving on to 1987's Living Daylights, directed by John Glenn, song by Aha, one of the better Bonds song in my opinion. This is the first time Tim Dalton was issued his license to kill. And it stars Marion Adabu, Jerome Cribble, John Reese Davis, Art Malik, uh, Robert Brown and of course Desmond Llewellyn as Q. Uh, what can I say about this one? The opener, the Gibraltar yeah, opener where apparently there's supposed to be three different guys in the back of the, the, the plane they're supposed to represent the three Bonds one for Connery, one for Moore and one for the new Bond, Dalton Shane forgot about Lazenby Okay then, moving on 
two that wasn't all, all the personal information my brother was in the army at this, this time and he was actually stationed at Gibraltar to cover for a fact that most of the, the, the extras in this thing are actually the Gibraltar army so he was actually on set sort of stuff anyway uh, what else can I mention? Oh yes, I should mention that Roger Moore was the only Bond never to drive the Aston Martin. Even Lesenby drove the Aston Martin. But Moore didn't. Sticking to the Citroen C2V. <laughs> and the Lotus Elysium uh, is pretty well. Where Tim Dalton gets the fantastic Aston Martin Volante, which miraculously goes from a soft top to a hard top. But hey ho, shh, don't notice that stuff. <laughs> The blonde assassin, yet again, who kills people by using his magic headphones. The American gunrunner, who steals guns to sell guns to other people, even though he's stinking rich and has his own guns. That's an interesting one. The one thing I will say about this thing was the ending, where Bond and the assassin is hanging off the back of the plane. Apparently, this almost killed both their stuntmen because they were bouncing off the back of the, the plane, off the fuselage of the plane, and it almost killed them. Oh yes, I should also mention the fake escape sort of thing, which was actually done for real, and almost killed another one of the stuntmen. I suppose I should mention the plot about Living Daylights. There was a celloist, I believe she's a celloist, um, was to kill her boyfriend, fake kill, her, assassinate the boyfriend. And Bond is tasked to kill her, but he sees she's no assassin and shoots the butt of the gun, I believe. And Bond falls in love with her. Now, this is one of the first Bond movies where Bond has one girl through the entire movie, which, of course, this was 1987. AIDS was just becoming known, so this is why they said give him one girl. Now, as we're saying, on to 1989's License to Kill sung by Gladys Knight, directed by John Glenn. Once again, starring Tim Dalton in his second and sadly last Bond, Kiri Lou, Robert Davi, Batista Del Toro, and of course, Devin Llewellyn. Bond quits MI6 again after his best friend Felix Leiter is half-eaten by sharks on his wedding night. Q helps him out with the infamous palm print gun, the toothpaste slash dental floss explosives and of course the CIA assistant well no assistant she's supposed to CIA oh yes the infamous fake ministries and well I guess at the time these whole call up to get God's grace stuff was all over the place in America so I think this is where I tapped into it. Oh yes one thing I should say about license to kill is the big rig stunts were done for real. Yes, that was a real big rig that used to do the, the, the tilting stunt stuff and a bit of raising his back wheels. This was also Bill Diesel de Toro's first movie. Also, Tim Dalton really lost a foot due to a stunt going almost wrong at the Nicocaine plant when it's cutting up. I didn't know lost his foot, apparently. Moving on to GoldenEye, 1985's GoldenEye, directed by Martin Campbell, sung by Tina Turner. Another one of the great Bond themes here. Starring for the first time, Pierce Brosnan, Sean Bean, Isabella Scaropo, Famke Janssen, Joe Don Baker, <laughs> Robbie Coltrane, Alec Cumming, Desmond Llewellyn, Sam Brown, Sam, sorry, Samantha Bond, Randall, sorry, and Judy Dench as M. Now what can I mention about Goldeneye? Well, first I'll start off with the N64 game, which was a 
blockbuster game and was the start of the first person shooter games even though uh, I thought Perfect Act was a better game but moving on I should also mention that M is played here for the first time by a woman and in fact chews out Bond probably my sexist misogynistic dinosaur which is pretty much Bond in a nutshell oh yes 006 the damn jump was done for real oh yes and Famke Janssen's Xenia on a top or you can be on a top of things Mr Bond ah the puns I love a good Bond pun so you do on to the plots Goldeneye turns out to be a, a Russian secret satellite which is the ability to knock out a country's defences by using an EMP blast up in the, the islands there I believe uh, what else can I mention about this thing? The Z3, the BMW Z3. Oh yes, the infamous laser watch, which Bond uses to escape Janos's trap. Oh yes, I should also mention the new Money Penny after Lewis Maxwell was replaced. Um, replaced by Samantha Bond. I wonder if that's why she got the job because she's called Bond. Hmm. What else do we have here? Oh yes, the Janos, the two-faced assassin, aka. 006, spoiler alert. Well, I suppose it's just that already from the, the top of this thing. What should I mention about this? Robbie Coltrane, another little piece of personal information. In about the early noughties, I used to work in a cafe down by the old uh, BBC Scotland buildings and I used to serve a few famous people and most notoriously, I served Robbie Coltrane and he actually hit me with the Do you know who I am rule? I slapped his fingers at me, so, hmm, not a very nice chap. Back to the movie, where Bond finally faces off against 006 and throws him off the satellite. This is one of the first times where Bond kills a woman on set, I believe. On screen, rather, uh, uh, I believe. But he kills Xenia by crushing her into a tree. And yeah, of course, the female assassin is Mary, for instance, Rosa Klebb. Now on to Tomorrow Never Dies, the first Bond I saw in the cinema, 1997, directed by Roger Spotswood, theme song by Cheryl Crow. Once again, starring Pierce Brosnan, Jonathan Price, Michelle Yeoh, Terry Hatcher, Jordan Baker, Vincent Chiavelli, Judy Dench and Desmond Llewellyn as Q. The first thing I mentioned about this is, this is one of the first Bonds I saw in the cinema. Um, because I was just too young for Goldeneye, so I went to go and see Tomorrow Never Dies opening night, and this was a packed cinema. Moving on to the movie itself, this is the one where he gets the new gun, the P2K. After years of the PPK, he changes it to the P2K. Um, what else can I say? Oh yes, this is a very thinly revealed attack on Robert Murdoch. Jonathan Price's character is actually a very thin attack on Robert Murdoch. The whole multimedia wanted to take over the world sort of thing yeah i'll have the the war if you give me the pictures sort of stuff what else do we have here oh yes the motorbike scene with the bmw motorbike which was actually done by vic armstrong's wife instead of michelle Yu. interesting enough this is the whole start of the the whole replacing the aston martin with the bmws but actually technically it was a golden eye but this is the one where it, it has the Bond car, the BMW 750i with the remote control car, which was ridiculous, but I loved it. No, yes, the stealth boat, the infamous stealth boat. How would this work? I mean, 
still technology would show a black space in the sea, so therefore you'd know exactly where a boat was and fire and blow up. Um, what should I say about this? Stamper, the blonde assassin. Oh yes, Terry Hatcher as Bond's ex. Yes, enough to say about Terry Hatcher the better. This woman can act for shit, frankly. On to 1999's Twine, or The World Is Not Enough, directed by Michael Apt and theme song by Garbage. Once again, starring Pierce Brosnan, Sophie Marceau, Robert Carlyle, Denise Richards, Robbie Coltrane, Judy Dench, Desmond Llewellyn, and introducing John Cleese as R. What can I say about this one? This was the Millennium one, the 1999 one, the big one that had the Dome in the opener, um, which was just about finished before they started filming the movie. Uh, what was I say about this? Oh yes, the speedboat chase where, where they actually had to get permission from the British government to zoom past the Houses of Parliament, which apparently was a big thing. I should also say, this is sadly the last time we see Desmond Lillian as Q, because he died shortly after filming his final scene, and I think producers knew he was actually on the way out, so they had to replace him by John Cleese's R, the incompetent R, with the, what was it again, the um, avalanche proof jacket, hmm, oh yes, Robert Carlyle's Renard, with a bullet in the head, um, slowly killing him, but numbing off all the senses, and Sophie Marcel's Electra King. Now, if you didn't know she was a bad guy at the beginning of this, then you obviously don't know the mythology. <laughs> Judy Dench's M gets kidnapped, of course. It's all about gas pipelines. Oh yes, the infamous nuclear submarine scene, which apparently Pierce Brosnan doesn't like underwater swimming and hates holding his breath underwater, which I meant to actually mention to one of her guys, but he has a fear of deep water. Um, so, the whole underwater stuff he kind of hates doing. Uh, what else I say? Christmas Jones. Ah, yes, Denise Richards, Christmas Jones. Possibly one of the worst Bond actresses ever. I mean, she's just terrible as Christmas Jones. Oh, yes, the BMW Z8. With missiles and, and getting chopped in half by the buzzsaw helicopters. Oh, yes, and Robbie Train coming back as the villain turned good guy. Swiftly shot off. Thankfully, like I said, the guy's not a bit of a nice man. Although I did serve Robert Carlyle, he is quite a nice man actually. Anyway, moving on to 2002's Notorious Dad Die Another Day, directed by Lee Tamahari, theme song by Madonna, which is a love it or hate it song. Personally, I am meh on it. Starring for his final attempt as Bond, Pierce Brosnan, Halle Berry, Toby Stevens, Rosamund Pike. Rick, Hugh, John Cleese, and Judy Dench. This one's notorious for the CGI Bond, except I actually quite liked the start of this movie. Uh, it was very dark, very sinister, where Bond gets kidnapped, or held hostage rather, and tortured for, was 18, 19 months? But after that, it's like goes off the rails with the whole invisible Aston Martin vanquish or vanish. Uh, this was the 40th anniversary of Bond, I should mention, uh, which is why all the old gadgets are here. And, You've got the jetpack, you've got the crocodile uh, sub, and you've got the various other things. Oh yes, the fencing scene, which apparently was done for real by Pierce Brosnan and Toby Stevens. Madonna's terrible acting as Verti. 
Yes, well, the Donner and Acting should not be anywhere near each other. On to Halliberry's Jinx. This was supposed to be a spin-off character, as they tried to do with Michelle Yu's character in Tomorrow Never Dies, but the two of them fell through. Thankfully, because frankly, Harry Belly and, and as Jinx is terrible. Even her homage to Honey Rider coming out of the ocean is just bloody awful. Diamonds in the Face Assassin, Zhao, played by Rick Yoon. And of course, the Jaguar XKS, I believe this one is, versus the Aston Martin Vanquish, which I just love the two cars facing off each, each other on the actual glacier in Iceland. Um, which was melting and, and caused all sorts of problems but for the stuntmen, but moving on. So, moving on to James Blonde himself. 2006's Casino Royale, directed by Martin Campbell. Song, You Know My Name, by Chris Cornell. Starring, for the first time ever, Daniel Craig, Eva Green, Mads Mikkelsen, and Judy Dench as M, the reboot Bond, as it's known. Except the fact that Judy Dench is still M, but hey, it's been rebooted, so. This is supposed to be before Doctor Who, I'm guessing, where Bond isn't quite a double agent yet, he's just a bog standard agent. And what can I mention about this one? The infamous opener, the free ring opener, done for real by the, the great stuntman. Uh, no wires at all. Oh, yes, there's no gadgets in this one. And of course, the infamous James Blonde. Oh my god, it exploded back in 2005 when Daniel Craig was, was announced to play Bond because he's blonde. Oh my god, you can't have a blonde Bond. They're all brunette or black haired. They can't have a blonde Bond. And people were going apeshit over this. Yes. Uh, and of course, Daniel Craig was deemed to be too ugly. Well, moving on to that one. Casino Royale, not one of my favourite. Bonds, to be honest, I remember seeing this in a packed cinema in December 2006. And I sort of walked out halfway through. I just didn't like it. I don't know what it was about the movie, but I did not like it. I just walked out. Bond Falls in Love by Vesper Lynn, uh, which is actually his first love in the books, I believe. Oh, yes. Uh, Mad Nicholson's, or Mads Nicholson's, The Blood Crying Lashif. Supposed to be the greatest uh, poker player in the world, or Bakarak player in the world, I believe. I think it's actually a poker movie. Maybe one. I want to say mention this one. Oh, yes, the Aston Martin that miraculously saves Bond's life after getting poisoned by the Vespa Lynn, as it's called, the vodka martini. Shaking my shirt, of course. <laughs> oh, yes, the infamous torture scene with the ball smacking the naked Bond. And the world famous Blue Speedo scene, where Daniel Craig was had the seal of approval for most gay men and women in or across the world. Now, on to Quantum of Solace, 2008. Mark Foster directed Another Way to Die, sung by Alicia Keys. Starring once again Daniel Craig, Matthew Almerick, Jim Atterton, Jesper Christian, Judy Dench as M. Now, this thing was rushed into production. To be honest, I've only seen this thing once in cinema and never again as I hated it. What I will say was the opening scene was fantastic with the, the Aston Martin getting chased down by the cars and Quantum being the new Spectre. I mean, all I remember about this thing is the desert finding water or something like that in the desert. I mean, like I said, this movie, I didn't like it at all and I thought it was just awful. I also remember the Casino 
video game that came out at the time had this thing tacked onto it and the game was bloody awful too. Now, on to my, one of my personal favourite Bonds, Skyfall. 2012's Skyfall, directed by Sam Mendes, song by Adele, Oscar winning song by Adele I should say. Starring Daniel Craig, Javier Bardem, Naomi Harris, Ralph Fiennes, Ben Wishaw, Albert Finney and Dame Judi Dench as M. The stunning opening where Bond gets shot by Moneypenny and of course the blowing up of MI6. Yes, moving on. Uh, this is the one where Bond goes AWOL for six months, I believe, six or seven months, I believe, after M and the double units are thrown to the wolves. Oh, yes, the Aston Martin DB5 is back. Q is also back. Q, yay, Q. Who gives Bond the his PPK back, the palm reading PPK? And this thing, however, had terrible Hannibal overtones. Where Javier Bardem sitting in the, the plastic prison sort of thing. But when he takes his, his false teeth out and his face is all sunken, this terrible CG. Um, what else I say about this one? Oh yes, this is the one where M sadly gets killed. And you find that Skyfall is actually Bond's former childhood home. Uh, what else can I say about this one also? Uh, Ralph Fiennes is the new M. Mallory. Oh yes, and Ben Wishaw is a cockier Q, which is really annoying how he's this super hacker, but he doesn't realise that he's the one that helps take down the uh, MI6. Yeah. So on to the final two. Now, I'm not going to go to great spoilers about Spectre, which I have seen a few weeks back, but I will mention Never Say Never Again, 1983's Never Say Never Again. Ah, the one where Connery came back for one final one. Directed by Irvin Kersher. It's a terrible song sung by Lana Hall. Starring Sean Connery, Sir Sean Connery, Max von Sydow, Klaus Marina, Kim Bessinger, Ron Ackerson, Edward Fox as M. Yes, this is Ron Ackerson's very first movie. Now, what can I say about this one? Well, basically, this is Thunderball, but just worse off because apparently. The, direct, the, the, the producer of this one had the rights to Thunderbolt, so he decided to make the Bond Bucks finally, after years of lawsuits between Eon Productions and himself. Now, what can I say about this movie? Um, Spectre steals two nukes, it's down to Bond to save it, uh, save the world again and stop it with some, yeah, moving on. Uh, the effects were terrible when I sat there, I found. I mean, the whole, was it the arcade game with the electrical shocks and stuff like that? Oh yes, and I should mention, Kim Basinger is a Bond girl. Yeah, she'll love that one, will she? <laughs> what else can I say about this one? Uh, oh, yes. The part where the horse jumps off the cliff, the poor horse was drowned. So, like I says, the animal cruelty was a bit much in these Bond movies. Uh, the one thing I will say was this is the final time you hear the word Spectre, or Blofeld even, until this year's Spectre, which I will only spoil by saying one phrase. This kind of happened to the other fella. And I will wrap this up by saying you can follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. And you can also email suggestions for movies you'd like me to do on Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Well, thanks for listening to this extended version of my podcast. And I'll let you hear from me sometime soon. Possibly uh, Evil Dead. Two, as I want to see this in the cinema uh, on the next couple of days. 
So thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed and was informed by this one, even though I'm a bit out and art or mm-mm. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for listening and I overall say my bond, favourite bond here is hands down Connery because he was a rough and ready bond, swiftly followed by Daniel Craig who takes a lot of Connery. I'd also say the my other favourite is Timothy Dalton. He was a more rough-edged Bond. Where again, this is where Daniel Craig gets his thing from. But I didn't like Brosnan too much. He was too much of more for my taste. The terrible puns and the... Oh, I don't know what it was. I, I just don't like him. Um, but yeah, like I said, Connery is my Bond. Closely followed by Daniel Craig. And I hope this thing actually makes him another three out of him. Uh, I had rumours that he's actually giving up after the next movie. I hope not. Anyway... Thanks for listening again, and you'll hear me soon. Bye!